Okay, so what you see before you is a plan for the rest of the year. I actually haven't talked much. Uh, the teachers have talked, but not uh, not with you guys. So the plan is uh, we we needed a short something to fill in right between now and the end of the year. So we decided to do Jonah. Well, hey, you know, we have, I'm sure everybody knows about Jonah. I probably can, you know. But it's actually there's some interesting things in Jonah, especially the part which I hadn't quite realized. Uh, we're going to do at the very end of Jonah. We're going to do a section in Matthew, and uh, you know Christ talks about Jonah, and so it's it's really uh, there's a contrast. It really, uh, those verses in Matthew are really interesting about Jonah and Christ. So so that's that's kind of the the culmination of our study of Jonah. But today we have actually two more lessons on James. We got uh, 19 and 20 in chapter five, and then Andrew uh, gets to do a review of chapter five. And there's plenty of things to review. Actually, I'm I'm not going to do everything. There's some verses we really haven't hit too hard, in, especially in Chapter 5. that are really interesting, and um, hopefully Andrew uh, will let the Lord lead him and what he has for us in the review. So I'm thankful for that. So let's look at um, let's look at the last two verses here. Okay. Yes. Is there a plan for next year? Okay, uh, the plan. What well, I'm thinking about, and actually, the t- all the teachers are on. That's good. I'm thinking about uh, Philippians. Actually, we've done Philippians ten years ago, so I'm thinking about. So let me know what you think. I was thinking about Philippians for next year, and so if you're, we you know we haven't done that in quite a while, and it's just a marvelous book. Uh, a lot of, a lot of, you know, great stuff in Philippians, and so. Okay, so think about that, and we'll we'll talk about that in the, in the weeks to come here. Okay, so now. I gotta find out how to advance the slides. There we go. Okay, good. <laughs> okay. 19 and 20. My brethren, if any among you strays from the truth and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns back a sinner from the error of his ways, way, singular, will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So with all of James, James has some interesting, um, Approaches, and you know, it's one of the earlier books, and it's, it's interesting. So there's plenty of questions that come up in this, in these verses here. So let's just kind of get into it here. So the first, the first verse is my brother, and so that, that kind of, you know, it brings up a question. Who's he talking to? And you know, if you look, you look in scripture a lot, and you see this word brethren, it's the word Adelphos, and, um, this is Vine's, uh, Vine's dictionary, um, so it's it's a brother or a near kinsman, and in the plural, it's community based upon the identity of life or origin of life. So, so that you know, you he's talking about you know, I believe he's talking about brothers in the Lord, and then you know, Paul uses this word uh, as well, and he talks about um, in Romans uh, the a part of, of verse thirteen in chapter one. I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often plan to come to you. And have been prevented so far. So he's talking about believers in the Lord, and he was prevented from coming to see them. So I just want to kind of establish that brethren, obviously, is speaking about believers. Uh, and so now that the, the the challenge is, or the the question is, uh, the first little part of this: uh, if any among you, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go with this, a brother who strays from the truth. That no, not everybody agrees with me. And then secondly, I'm going to go with the fact that it's another brother who turns him back. So we have brothers in the Lord, 
encouraging brothers. And I, you know, if you look back to verse 14, which Miles covered last week, you know, we have a, a, a believer who's struggling, who's under a trial, and he looks to support from the elders, right? He, and we're going to see, I'm going to do a little review at the end, that he's looking for, he wants them to come and pray with him, basically. And so here we have, and I believe in this verse, we have a situation where one brother is going to help another brother. And uh, so let's, and I'll try to maybe give you a little more of my thought process. Oh, Jim's is here. We prayed for you, Jim, and you showed up. That's great. That's great. <laughs> so hopefully I can support that. You know, some people think this is, um, you know, maybe it's an unbeliever, but uh, we'll, we'll see here. So let's, we'll go on with that. So, so my thought here, this kind of fits nicely with what we saw in 14, that a person under a trial, he asked the elders for support. So now we have a brother uh, supporting another brother. Okay, go ahead. Sure. The verb tense of spray is passive. It's passive. Well, okay, good point. Well, why don't we look at the main verb? <laughs> Let's go to the. Okay, so what I did here, I like to do this. And you know, thankfully, I'm not the best in diagramming the Greek, but there are others that have diagrammed it. And the main, the main clause or the main structure, this is one sentence, right? Starting in verse 19 through the end. The main thought here is, my brethren, let him know. And that's one of our favorite words. So the Greek word here is gnosko, one of our all-time favorites. Um, you know, to be taking in knowledge. So that's the main thought here. And then the rest of the stuff modifies that. Or gives you more information, but the main thought of this verb is, my brethren, let him know. So we have a believer, and um, James is telling him he's to know something. And this no, and this is not a casual no. This is this is um, I like to say, and I've heard others talk about when we come across imperatives. If you think about it, I was thinking about the Lord Jesus, his interaction with the Father. I don't remember. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did he ever say the Father commanded me? He always said it seemed like that I do what I see the Father doing. It's a, it, it's a relation of love and interaction. And so I was thinking about when we say this is a command, I get kind of, I don't know, it, it seems like the, the hammer is coming down on me. But actually it's not. That's actually God's will. So I like kind of the thought process that this is God's will that that's in view here and that certainly – under grace, this is what we want, right? We want his will. We want to be in tune with him. So I like to think of imperatives in that way. Hopefully that's helpful. Um, and this one is continuous action, present tense, continuous action. So we surrenders this, let him be knowing. So again, we have, it's interesting, you know, Miles did a great job last week talking about um, the believer. You know, in essence, when he understands what, what trials are about, he He's in a position to, you know, if he doesn't understand, he doesn't understand that God has trials, and if he fights against it, so to speak, he he, he gets the wrong conclusion. So knowing what the Lord is about is is huge. It's super important. Okay, so this is let him know. Let, let him be knowing. And so if you go back, this is very similar construction back in verse 2 uh, in chapter 1. Consider it all joy, my brethren. So it's addressing brethren again. When you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And it's the same word in the Greek. Uh, it's a participle in this case, knowing that. Um, so, but it's the same one, gnosko, 
Um, so that so that gives me, you know, as as Miles pointed out, you want to look for the consistency through the book. He's not going to all of a sudden change his mind. Well, okay, I was talking about this. Now I'm going to change my mind and go off on a different topic. He's consistent through this entire book, and this is another case where he his consistency. So my brethren, um, let him be knowing. And then we have the things. Now we have this kind of parentheses. If any among you strays from the truth, that's a parenthesis to the overall thought here. So let's look at that. So that's one of these if statements in the in the Greek language, and it sets up the dialogue for this verse, I believe. Um, and it modifies. If you were to look at a, a diagram of this, and I try to do that with a little bubble chart sometimes in the main service. Hopefully that's helpful. Um, so so this if statement modifies the verb let him know. So, and if you go through the Look in the Greek, there are different classes of if statements, and this is what's called third class. So it, it's a probability, if you will. Um, so the pres- it, it presents a condition as uncertain of fulfillment, but likely. So this is a likely case. Uh, so James is giving them instructions. If you're, I believe it's a brother in the Lord, if your brother in the Lord has a problem, he strays, he strays from the truth, this is, this is what my desire, this is God's desire for you. So there are two parts to that. Uh, any among you is the first part. Any among you strays from the truth, and and anyone who turns him back. And I, one of the reasons I think it's a, it's all brethren um, is because in this the any the any is tish in the Greek, and the um, the one for uh, one is also tish. So there's the same. Tense verb and mood, both those. So it's they're both the same. If you had a different one, then you might different than uh, my brother. You might think it's somebody else. Maybe it's an unbeliever, possibly. But this is all the same uh, original Greek word. Any among you stray from the truth, and the one who turns him back. So we have those two statements, and they're, and they're modifying this the verb. Let him know. So the part A. Anyone who strays from the truth. So what's going on here? And I, not repeating what I said, the any among you is a fellow believer. Strays. Now, here, this is where Bob kind of, you, the, the if statement has this passive verb in it, and it's, um, plano. And it's the idea, this is, this is a cool word. I believe this word came from astronomy or the original Greek word. It's the idea of the wandering stars. You know, if you're an astronomer and they looked at the stars and they, and they said, well, they just don't, they're not fixed in the sky. They kind of wander. And, and Jude picked up on this idea, this idea of wandering, and it has the idea to be seduced or go astray. So this brother is wandering or going astray. That's that's his problem, and this is this is why James is calling uh, the brethren to you know to interact with him. We have a similar thought here in Second uh, Peter, chapter two, verse fifteen. Forsaking the right way, speaking of this going astray, they have gone astray, it's the same word, and have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who have loved the wages of unrighteousness. So, does that kind of help with the... It does, but I think the concept here is that the world system of life of Satan always is there to... to so the passive influence of... Right, right. It's, it's, it's kind of, we actively respond to that, right. but yet... Being, it's kind of being led. We're always mm-hmm. being led to go astray. I mean, that's the system of the three 
you know, the world, the flesh, and the devil. We're all, that's always that's always yeah, acting. So that's always there. So I, I like the passive voice because it implies that this is a drawing card all the time. Right. Right. It is. But yet we're the ones that go astray. I mean, so anyway. Right. And, and this verse is all about helping your fellow brother to not do that. And we see it. You know, we see this all the time. I mean, we see it all, all the time when people, and it may be. Just not understanding a verse the right way. They may, you know, once you point out to them, well, this verse really says that, like Miles was doing last week, well, this verse really says that. They won't go astray expecting God to do something, you know, they have the wrong view of a, of a verse in scripture, and you point them to the truth. Okay, and that kind of comes to the, and this is obvious, so, so what are they being led astray from? So, uh, you guys, if you just read the verse, you can tell me. So, so what are they being led astray from? Truth, right? <laughs> the truth. Okay. So, so what's the in the context? It's the truth. So, um, and James has addressed this topic of the truth uh, previously, and I want to look at a few verses about that. He did that back. He did in other earlier verses. Okay. So, the first verse is back in chapter one, and this is maybe a more a broader concept, talking about um, God's word. Uh, in the exercise of his will, he brought forth the word of truth so that we would be a, uh, would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. Then maybe a little bit more to the point. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, heart, you do not, do not be arrogant so to lie against the truth. And then one that's not in James, but seems to be certainly to the, to the point. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who knows all men, who knows, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So since this is the truth, what, what, what do you think the truth is in the context here? Ah. Who the Lord is. What's that? Who the Lord is. I mean, okay, okay. What? About him. About all right. The truth. Okay. Would you, would you think you'd be, could even... I don't know, and this is just my my thought. Uh, maybe it's uh, others. Uh, so, you think you can identify it even more closely or more specifically by having the definite article "the truth"? Is there is there the truth that that we see kind of throughout Scripture referred to in that in that sense? That this is not hard. I am the way, the truth, and the life. <laughs> okay, that's that's certainly, and that's the Margaret's point. Yeah, that's certainly the Lord Jesus. I was thinking of the gospel, and that was just kind of that was my take. But actually, you're your point is well taken too. The Lord, He says, "I am the truth." He is the, and that's very well taken too. So that's good. It's so, a big word, uh, Roger. Sure. Uh, it has uh, everything that is real in it in its context. Amen. Yeah. Amen. No, no, that's no, the Lord's statement when He says, you know, he, he makes those three statements about Himself. I find that just such a an incredible verse. You know, He is the He defines truth. He, the Lord Jesus defines truth, and he, and like you say, and it's reality. It's not that just like that's something that, you know, somebody, may, you know, the Bible writers put down. It's that He is the truth. That is reality. That's One of the things that that helps me understand this is that truth includes the knowledge of what is an error, and so uh, He comes to His senses, thinking of the prodigal son. You know. Right. Um, the, the truth 
will always reveal what is false as well. Uh, and the magnitude of what is real and good outshines what is false. I, I don't know how to say that better than that. No, no, I like that. I like that. Oh, that's good. I think, Go ahead. I think I see something in, in James one eighteen the the fact that it's by the word of truth that he brought us forth. And that's the, the new creation uh in Christ Jesus that right. uh you know that's that is a is a core core truth uh for us as believers when we're in a trial, when we forget right. that that fact. Yeah, no, that, that's good. And, and you know, what kind of go along that's with flounder because yeah. we begin to try to cope. Yeah, well, biosec theme in 118 really ties into this verse 2 in 19. So, yeah, and chapter 5. So. So, sorry, my, I think my internet is a little glitchy here. Sorry. That's all right. <laughs> yeah, you kind of, you're dropping in and out a little bit, but that's, that's okay. We understand. Yeah, I was just going to say that, um, <clears throat> You know, the truth, uh, is so important, I think, to, to, uh, what James is saying, because the truth is going to, is going to understand about where you are in this trial. If you don't have the truth, if you think somehow, uh, some kind of, you know, I'm, I'm gonna allude to this, this oil, some kind of oil is gonna take care of your issue, that's the wrong, that's the wrong impression, and hopefully we'll, I'm gonna reiterate that again at the end about the, the oil. Uh, which, where, where does the oil fit into this picture, if you will? Um, but the truth of God's word is what's going to, to, it says the truth sets you free, it shows you what, what God is about, and who, and the, the, the key point is, where are you in all this? Are you just, you know, out to dry and just, you know, no, God has a plan and a purpose for everyone. I like the, there's a verse in, uh, Thessalon- I think it's Thessalonians chapter one, maybe chapter two, maybe it talks about that that um, that we are destined for trials. I guess in the King James, I remember Brother Hal let's just love that verse. He would come to that, back to that verse so many times and say, you know, you are destined. You are God has destined you for trials. That is what the believer is about. And don't be don't be surprised. You know, don't be upset. And I mean, it's hard not to be upset sometimes when you have trials. I mean, that's a, that's a toughie, but, but don't be surprised. And we have verses that say exactly that. So anyway, that's great. Good thoughts, guys. Good thoughts. Okay. So let's go on. Okay. So the B part of this. So now we're talking about the one who's taking, um, uh, James, uh, admonition here, the one who turns him back. And I believe the one who turns him back is a fellow believer. And turns him back is uh, this word that talks about to turn about or turn toward, to cause to return from error. And what's interesting is it's in the aorist tense. So I kind of picture it this way. I, I like the, the thought of the aorist being a, an event. So this is like, this is what, you know, you could think of this way. This would be an event that happened to the one who's straying from the truth. So a fellow brother, you bring you bring the information to him about the word, and you by doing that, you can you can turn him around, turn him back. God's word will turn him back from that. And then a, a verse that first Peter that talks about that. For you were continually straying like sheep, but you have now returned, and I think it's the same word, to the shepherd and guarding of your soul. So it's the idea of turning around. You've, you've 
you've comprehended what God is about or something, uh, and you, you're been turned about from that. Now, some, just to be fair, some have taken this, they said, and they've talked about this is an unbeliever. I don't know. I, I found it hard to make a case for that, personally. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, I thought it fit well with James's context. And this is just like we had in verse 14 about going to the elders and praying with them. We have a believer supporting a fellow believer. Okay. Yeah, Roger, I don't see any reason to make that an unbeliever, right? Because other than that they're trying to somehow work it into verse 20 and, and a concern with the concept of saving his soul from death. But I think it's pretty clear. It's yeah. pretty clear you can't have an unbeliever straying from the truth. I mean, they're they're separate from the truth. Right? So. That's, that, that's an excellent point, Miles. Excellent. You, actually, you even nailed down even more that uh, yeah, unbeliever straying from the truth. Well, he doesn't have the truth. So <laughs> that's well, right. And you wouldn't have returned to right. the truth. I mean, that word right there. Right. Um, because you never would have yeah. been there. So right. you couldn't have returned. Well, I was surprised that, that, that different people, you know, you kind of glance through and say, oh, this one says that, and you go, you say that. You know, <laughs> anyway, so I was I was disappointed in some people I read that thought this was an unbeliever. So anyway, enough said. I'm not, I'm not here to judge the commentators, but I'm trying to understand what God's word says. I think the, you know, from the text, from the, you know, the language, and just reading it through, it, you know, well, believer helping believer is the picture. Was there another question? I was just going to say that if you replace the word truth with Jesus Christ, like Margaret mm-hmm. said, which I, which I really like, because I think that's right. part of his essence. Right. And someone who strays from Jesus Christ must that's be good. a believer. That's excellent. No, I like that. Perfect. That's a good good way to think of it, I think. That's great, Jimmy. Wonderful. Okay, so let's go on to to the last part of the verse here. Okay. And this gets a little more tricky, <laughs> challenging. Okay, so uh, the statement 20 is a person, and, and so so this is modifying, it's what a person, or actually it's a direct object actually in this case. This whole, the whole rest of verse 20, after I let him know is a direct object in this verse. Um, uh, this statement, verse 20, is what a person who is turning from the true error is to know. This is what, this is what he's to know. Um, and I'm going to up here. Okay, so the question comes up. Okay, so why? So why is James? He says, anyone let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way. So why? If we've been talking about believers, and I think we have been. Why all of a sudden is he? Um, why all of a sudden is he calling him a sinner? So I want to just go back, and actually, this is not the first time. I think I've forgotten who covered this. Man, might have been Andrew. Um, back in verse eight in chapter four, he called he calls a believer a sinner there too. He says, "Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded." So this is not out of out of sorts with James. James has done this before. So I tried to kind of think through this. Why would he refer to a believer as a as a sinner? The reminder that we're all sinners saved by grace. Hey, well, that's good. I like that one. Oh, and I, all the time we can't. Amen. That. Amen. Okay. Same same reason that Paul called the Corinthian church uh, full of carnal sin. Okay, I, I like all that. So so my, my my statement here, you know, basically a believer 
still sins, and God desires us when we do sin, we confess that sin. We agree with him about our sins. But then we find that Paul, in nine of his 13 uh, epistles, calls uh, believers saints. He starts off to the saints at Corinth, blah, 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 Rome, so on. All the So he calls, um, so we have the saints, so we, believers are called saints and called sinners. So is there a way we can can reconcile that with something we know a, a lot? We talk a lot about Holly Hills, and this is what occurred to me. Is there a way we can reconcile this? The identification truth. Okay, that's, that's good. Okay. How about position and condition? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't write it down here, but I thought that's, that answers it. Because positionally, we are saints. There's no question about that. Mm-hmm. But conditionally, we do sin. So it seems like you could argue that the James is focused more on the fact that Believers do sin, and you have one that wants to turn them back from that, from that way. So I think that, that helps to understand this verse. Uh, so here well, we have, go ahead. Well, Roger, we can't forget that James was early. This was written early. Exactly. And this was a Jew who was used to the law, and he or she really probably respected the law for what it was like, but now they're under this atmosphere of grace, right? So right. this is a difficult situation for them, I think. As it, is. it is. Yeah. It is. Okay. So, all right. So uh, the first part of this is, <clears throat> let him who know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his ways will first save his soul from death. So now we, we go from one... In- So first question is, what kind of death is being spoken of here? So can you guys, you guys are good Holly Hillers. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Power of sin. Power. Okay. All right. So the question is, is this, is this spiritual, is a spiritual situation or a physical situation? And actually, I've, to give you truth, I've taught this, this past, this twice. Actually, Bob taught it with me, I think. Ten years ago, we taught James. And I taught it a different way last time. I'm going to teach it a different way this time. So I, I flipped. <laughs> so I, you're going to say, well, Roger, you either had it right now or, you know, you, you're going to tell me how to write one of the two times or wrong one of the two times. So is it spiritual? What do you think? One thing that comes to mind is that if this was the early church, um, Ananias, and it was, <laughs> right. Ananias and Sapphira um, may have been, um, says that the church was uh, was. was Pretty worked up when that happened. Yeah, yeah. So there was there was a case in in that instance where physical death was a result of straying from the truth. Amen. Um, so that's in context. Yeah. No, actually, you're thinking like I was thinking, and actually, I didn't think that way last time. <laughs> so, so here we go. Let's just continue. So spiritual death, as we know, I didn't quote. You know, we can quote some verses for that, and you probably can find one. Spiritual death or separation, right? Is a loss idea of loss of fellowship. And that's certainly possible for a believer. We sin, we lose fellowship, and there are passages that say, has, in fact, actually, it's, James has it earlier. You know, our brother Hal's stair step, you go, and the, what's the last thing? Death or separation. Mm-hmm. So, so there's a case, actually, I forgot about that case, it's beautiful. It's mm-hmm. the early part of James with the, where you take the bait and you sin, and the ultimate result of that is death, and that's spiritual death. But I think, uh, Miles is all. I think I'm on the right track. It seems to me, being this is an early book, that that's in focus. Physical death is more in focus here than, than spiritual death. 
so so that's kind of that's kind of where I am this time around, and um, and actually I thought this was good. And, and uh, Constable had this uh, death, and this is a good thing to remember. Just like the Ananias and Sapphira, um, they they weren't being they had physical death, but they still were saved, right? And so that that wasn't going to be um, a damnation. We would call it eternal damnation. They 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 the Lord took them home early. We'll say. We phrase it that way sometimes. So they, they died rather unexpectedly, but they still were saved. And so that, that seems to be more the picture for this, uh, this statement. So other thoughts about, about this? This is certainly not, sorry. Go ahead, that's fine. It's certainly not, uh, uh, loss of salvation. It's not a, <laughs> right. these, are, these are believers. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, James in, uh, chapter one, Verse uh, twenty-one, he says, "Receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls." So he's he's circling back to that same uh, thought there, and um, it's very very parallel. Um, yeah, that's good. And we see in in the the previous verses here in chapter five that this is a a situation where um, a, a believer has strayed from the truth and. You know he's clearly in a in a uh, miserable state. Um, possibly there's some some physical um, ailment connected. We, I mean, like we talked about in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, that's uncertain. But what is certain is that um, there's a uh, there's it's, it's the result of prolonged trial and 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 pressure and temptation. He's succumbed right. to it. And I, I I think that perhaps the 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 saving his soul from death. I think physical death could be in view at the end of that progression, but I, I think that um, that that loss of fellowship uh, is uh, would would precede that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that yeah, I agree. That p- possibility of physical death. So I think both could be in view um, in a sense, but but certainly not loss of salvation. And so right. No, that's good. No, that's good to point out. Yeah, certainly I would expect that. Uh, and actually, your point's well taken. Possibly that uh, and. You know, that's certainly true with, um, they weren't Ananias and Sapphira, were not, uh, Sapphira, were not, uh, walking with the Lord. They were walking carnally. Go ahead, Jim. Hey, I was just gonna, did you notice that, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> you know, uh, he didn't say, save his spirit from death. You know, I, okay. people, I, we believe in a trichotomy of the human. Uh, body, soul, and spirit, right? Yeah, okay. body, soul, and spirit. So, well, the soul is the mind, will, and emotions. You know, so he's, he's saving his soul from death, which is, uh, which is his, his physical life. Okay, that's a good point. His soul is excellent. Excellent, Jim. That's good. Soul, yeah. That's good. Go ahead, Jim. What I was going to say is that James, as we know, can be difficult to read. And for me, when I looked at this passage, uh, this morning, I was thinking that it would be a lot simpler if the intention was that if a brother, uh, uh, walked alongside another brother and and corrected him or brought truth to him that he would uh, he would relieve him from the power of sin. We know that when we when we we stop abiding in Christ, we you know we suffer sin and death right every, every single time, every day. We're you know it's, it's one of it's one of my favorite things to think about and contemplate. How can I get better at abiding continually so I don't suffer that sin and death? And if you, you look at it like 
not physical death, but just sin and death and that you're restored and you, and, and that's what we are to do with each other. It makes the passage very, very simple. It does. No, I, I agree with you. Because God's word is abiding and if we look at it like it's physical death, well that's, that, that's not really, doesn't seem to happen. Okay. Uh, but, it, but, but we do experience death all the time when we're not abiding continually. Right. Good point. Good point. Okay. Great. Great. Fantastic. Okay. Let's carry on here. Let me get the last part here. We'll cover a multitude of sins. Okay. <laughs> it, it doesn't stop. It only, only gets better, right? <laughs> one, one question after another. Okay. Um, so this turning, um, a sinning believer from error will cover. And the idea is to en- envelop, wrap, like bark, shell, or cover, cover over. So th- this phrase is used to, in First Peter. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. So it's used in that context. So, so what's the process for a believer of covering his sins, and you guys, you guys know this. You you know it. <laughs> I'm gonna put the up. Amen. <laughs> I mean that's that's the instruction that we have. I mean that that's the only believers do sin, and the the only aspect of I mean what we're told is that if we and confess, it's good to remember what that word is. It's I think it's homologeo to say the same thing as God says. So you're saying. What God is saying about your sins. Agreeing. You're agreeing with God, which is wonderful. You're agreeing with God. Go ahead, Bob. Well, a multitude. Right. Um, you know, you wonder whether the, the, the life of this believer has gone astray if you're rescuing him from that. The, the impact of him and his behavior might impact many others in Good addition point. to himself so, point. herself. So, right. I mean, we got a situation here where... Kind of cancer continues to spread, right? I mean, okay, so. okay, well, that's a good point. You were you're actually bringing up some really cool points about this. I mean, this is, this is, uh, you know, this is real life. This was James talking to a, a bunch of believers, like I talked to you, and, and he's, of course, he's writing scripture. I'm not, I'm, you know, trying to understand scripture, but he's talking to these believers, and this is important things, and that's. But, Roger, if you think about that even today, someone who's kind of gone astray and kind of left the grace that we live in, can influence other people with that attitude too. Amen. Right? I know. So I know we see that. That could happen within the brethren, unfortunately. And again, in the early church, I think this is particularly problematic. Yeah. Right. Right. But don't you even see that today in oh, yeah. church bodies? Oh, I know. I where know. you have a, one person who can influence and take many astray. I know. Well, there, there's one particular gentleman that we've been watching on YouTube. Well, we're trying not to watch on YouTube. Uh, his dad was a great teacher back in, in Atlanta. I won't mention his name here, but anyway, you should see me later. His son is going off the deep end. He's just gone right out of, he's, he basically said, you don't need the Old Testament. You don't need the Old Testament. You just don't need it. You don't? <laughs> anyway. No, but remember. Remember, he said when there's a conflict between the Bible and science, go with science. It's too bad. So, and, and he's, this, this gentleman has influenced a lot of people, unfortunately. <laughs> a lot of people. Okay, so actually before, we, I, I want to have yeah. time to do this last part here. Okay, so anyway, so what I wanted to do here, I want to just look at these two verses and, and, uh, 
Miles did a fa- fabulous job. So here's just some additional thoughts here and maybe I'll repeat in some areas. So first of all, first observation is I'm going to use, you know, it's a command, but I'm going to use God's will in this in saying it that way. Prayer is God's will during suffering or trials. And we saw that, you know, in James, he talks about it. If you lack wisdom, uh, lay mask of God, uh, ask in faith, talks about that. That's the first thing. The second thing is praise is God's will, will when we're encouraged. And we see in Romans there talks about the fact that the, the scriptures, God's word, the written word, that we might have hope, we might have encouragement. So we start off with that, you know, with those, that's verse 13 kind of, that um, during suffering, during trials, prayer is appropriate. That's And that's God's will. You should be praying. And Miles made an excellent point. You're not praying. If you're praying to remove it, you're praying against God in a way because God says you're going to have trials. So you're praying, Lord, Help me to see, help me to understand where, where am I at? Where, you know, your prayer is one of, uh, it's not to relieve it, it's to understand what's going on and how to proceed from there. And God, and there's plenty of scriptures to do that, certainly. So we have two, th- two aspects, uh, praying and we have praising. Okay, then kind of expand that a little bit. Then sick, <clears throat> what's, what's good is in, Another good job there, you know, that, that word, the previous word was just strength. This is the negates that without strength. And I kind of felt that was looking at that, and I think it was pointed out last week too, it's, it can be mental as well as physical, or both. So you can have uh, this this trial, this suffering can bring both, and many times does, both mental and physical. They're, they're interrelated. You can't, the man is... You know, body, soul, and spirit. You can't have one without the other. If you suffer physically, you're probably going to suffer mentally, and vice versa. If you suffer mentally, you'll probably suffer suffer physically. So they go together. And God wants to take care of both of those. Okay. So, and the primary reason, if you look at the structure, and this is, this is, uh, this is, this is diagram. I had looked at a diagram of this, and actually, uh, the primary thrust here is, is for prayer. And it's prayer, in the name of the Lord. And the idea of the oil is kind of a, it's a supplementary idea, but the main thrust here is that calling for the elder is for prayer, and prayer will be in the name of the Lord. So that's the focus of this, of this, um, uh, 13 and 14. And then anointing. Yeah, Miles, I found, um, in, um, in Vines and also in Zodiates, they had a, a couple different, uh, Things that helped. Anointing is the idea to rub or to daub or dab, daub, dab, yeah, or smear. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, we, we translated that word as massaging with oil. I, I know. <laughs> I, I know. And actually that's, um, so, and actually here's one thing I came across too. Macaulay, Macaulay kind of came across saying, you know, oil is not, you know, as we went through last week, oil is not the thing that's going to heal you. That's not what you're looking, that's not what this verse is about. It's, you know, prayer, prayer is going to make the difference, not, not the oil. So it, but it's an expression. You could think of it as an expression of that. Was it and blessing then what, too? Um, I, you know, actually, here's a point that I liked was that if you look in a lot of the New Testament, especially like the, think about the, um, uh, what's the guy? <laughs> I just went, <laughs> um, who's the guy that came along? Oh, I know the, the Good Samaritan, right? The story of the Good Samaritan, 
Well, they used oil. Oil was one of the most common remedies uh, for, you know, uh, comforting a person, helping a person, making comfortable. And what's interesting, in Mark, the disciples were sent out. They were sent out, and it says in that verse, and check me out, on 6.13, it says, they were sent out, and it says they healed and they anointed with oil. They dis- He disconnected the healing and the oil were totally separate. I said, wow, that's kind of cool. Because it sh- the oil is for co- you're comforting the person. You're you're not healing him. They said the disciples actually were healing people and they comforted them with oil, so to speak. So I thought it was really, really, uh, especially interesting there. So just a couple of additional observations. They're great, you know. And then you know it goes on. There are other parts that we could talk about in verse 15 that Miles covered, which I thought was great. And you know I think looking at this as as we depend upon Christ and trust Him through our trials, that's that's what it's about. Well, oil was soothing. Oil was right. And, and some of it, that, that there's a little catchphrase I came across. Um, Take your medicine and pray, or something like that. There was some kind of little catchy little phrase. Didn't they use herbs and all kinds of things I, that were in the oil? And it could be, you're yeah. right. Yeah, because mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, even a lot of our drugs today have come from a lot of those uh, different ingredients right. that they had back then. Plants. Right. Plants and things. Right. Yeah. Right. It was also a, a common gesture of hospitality. I think I had to rush over that last time, but um, when uh, when Jesus is at the Pharisee's house and uh, he says, you, you didn't even anoint me with oil when I came in. Right. You know, that's a good um, point. And uh, and it was it was just that that common as uh, so I mean I heard this passage taught by Jeremy Thomas and he said it's kind of like the elders going over saying get you know get yourself jump in the shower get yourself cleaned up because you're you're a mess and uh, you know <laughs> and then let's, uh, because it's a situation where someone has kind of spiraled into you know into into a state like depression which you know if we think about that to, still today it leads leads to death phys- physical as well as Right. Um, uh, you felt it loss of fellowship, but right. it, um, you can in, in a long term pressure trial situation, you you can you can end up in a pretty dark place, right? So um, right. there's there's need for for uh, physical and spiritual uh, help in that. Right. Yeah, Miles, your mention of massage brought back a bad memory. Um, uh, I'd never had a massage before, so Margaret thought I ought to have a massage. So she said I should get a deep tissue massage. And I had pain for three days in all my body. <laughs> I never want another massage. Okay. Oil or not. Yeah, I realized if, if we all had Weiss translation of James, I don't think very many people would be calling Roger and Mike for that. No, you know, no, they wouldn't. Tissue massage. That's a good point. <laughs> Come over and say, okay, we pray. Now, now it's time for the massage. Wait a <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward, Andrew. Um, I'm looking forward to your re- review next week <laughs> of Chapter Five or your. So. Yeah, you bet. Can you hear me? Yeah, we yeah. can. We can. Oh, good. All right. New Let's internet. See. So. I don't okay. Know. So we, we left you with plenty of. There's plenty of things we haven't really <laughs> talked a lot. You know, this, we skipped over a few other choice verses in there. James has no lack of. Interesting verses that challenge your thought. Actually, it's good because it challenges you to 
think through what you, you know, what scripture really says and compare it and be careful. So it's a, it's yeah. a wonderful discipline. Yeah. Okay. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's suppose, go ahead. Uh, you know, Miles, uh, when Miles mentioned about, uh, uh, Jesus going to the Pharisee's house and he said, you didn't, he didn't, he said, you didn't wash my feet. You didn't anoint my head with oil. In that passage, uh, the anointing of the head with oil was a matter of honor. Mm-hmm. That Pharisee should have honored Jesus by anointing his head with oil and displaying him as a man of honor. You know, it wasn't meant for anything else, for mm-hmm. healing or anything else, but it was a matter of honor. Mm-hmm. That's good. So uh, point, that was that was a really poignant uh, part of the Gospels. You know, right. really. Mm. You know, that Pharisee didn't treat him with, he was, he was trying to intimidate him uh-huh. and disrespect him. Right. Did. Discredit his message. Right. But it didn't work because the, uh, <clears throat> the, uh, the, that woman came up and just anointed his feet. I know. She did. That, 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 that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful passage. She, she was honoring. She was. You know. I know. Then, did, she get, did she get some respect out of that? No. No. <laughs> they, they went after yeah, her. <laughs> Dude, they see anyway. a woman of dishonor. All right. So, I know. Yeah, he, he took that as an honor from her. Yeah. It was just amazing mm-hmm. passage. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the picture. Yeah, we better close here. The musicians are chomping at the bit. <laughs> okay. We thank you, Father. We thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the blessings we have in our Savior. Thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you that it does challenge us. It causes us to think and to study and to dig. And we know that's your desire, that we depend upon you and the Holy Spirit to understand your word. We ask it in the Savior's name. Amen. Amen.